0: Welcome back to the Meet Us in Paris Podcast. I am Zen, and this is a podcast about all things travel, be it food, what to pack for your next trip or your next exotic destination. And with me today is my amazing co-host, Kristen.
1: Hello. (laughs) Trying to mirror your your energy.
0: (laughs) Yep. My funky energy. Yeah. So so this week we're returning to our this month, next month. Um feature where we bring you the latest updates and insights on some of the most exciting and vibrant festivals from around the world this month we're focusing on some international festivals that have already taken place in january um and then of course when this comes out one or two may start have already started in february um things like the Harbin Ice Festival in China to the Bikaner Camel Festival in India, we've got you covered on some of the best and lesser known festivals happening this month and next. Join us as we explore the rich cultural heritage, unique traditions, fascinating stories around these vibrant celebrations. So sit back, relax, and listen to our sponsor for a moment, and we'll be right back. When you look back upon your life, and you see all the things you achieved. Certainly none of them started with inaction. And when you're planning for your next career journey, find us, the University of California, Irvine. We've over 80 convenient online certificates to help you navigate the future, and we're the perfect Sherpa for your next big adventure. Find us at ce.uci.edu. Okay, so is this the week I convince you to start up first, or do I go again?
1: <laughs> um, I can go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That's the peer pressure right there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully we don't overlap either, because I have, you know, one event for this month, a.k.a. what was January, and then one event for next month, February. So if we overlap, I don't have any
0: backups. <laughs> I got a couple, so okay. I have backups. So.
1: All right. Um, Well, this one that I found for January made me really happy because the tradition is that it actually happens on January 2nd and January 3rd. And I feel like there's such a letdown after New Year's because it's like the last holiday. You know, it's January. Everything's done. You're going to have to go back to work that you can have such a bad emotional hangover right after it that here's another (laughs) holiday that happens after new year's to kind of keep it going and maybe it would help you ease back into life or maybe it makes it even that much worse i don't know but um this takes place in cape town south africa and um i don't know how it's pronounced but i hope that it's pronounced capsiclopsy um because that sounds like the funnest pronunciation in my book but it is spelled k-a-a-p-s-e second word k-l-o-p-s-e so capsiclosa um and this is a minstrel carnival so that's what it means and it's held in south africa um it says early january this year it was january 2nd to january 3rd and i think it is always done on january 2nd um it's also known as the Tweede New Year, which is second New Year, either in Dutch or Afrikaans, I'm assuming. Um, and 13,000 minstrels usually assemble and parade through the South African city playing on trumpets, banjos, and most importantly, the the goma drums. Um, okay. The, yeah, yeah, it sounds fun. The pictures are bright and colorful. It almost looks like... Um, an alternate version of Mardi Gras looks super fun. Um, the music is an eclectic mix of Indian, Malay, Indonesian, East African, and European, reflecting the melting pot that was the Cape. Uh, but the music also reflects the music of American minstrels. One Malay song is entitled Dark Home di Alabama, after the Alabama ship upon which the minstrels arrived. Um, And rather than being a general melee of music, like in the Rio Carnival or Notting Hill Carnival, at the Cape Town Minstrel Carnival, the troops are spread out so that the music can be heard distinctly without drowning out each other. Um, They usually come from the Afrikaans-speaking Cape-colored communities who compete in a series of competitions. Um, And even though the parade takes place over just one day, the competitions continue into February.
0: That sounds like it could be amazing or it could be like just horrible.
1: I think it sounds amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like going to like, like something where it's like completely like a mime convention. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. it's just, a, it's like maybe it's fantastic or maybe it's just too many. Uh,
1: could, could be. <laughs> um, I haven't heard of the, um, these, these kinds of events at all. And because, you know, South, Africa is in the um, southern hemisphere. This is summertime, so oh. it's probably great fun being out there, you know, where it's warm and 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 having these celebrations post New Year. Super cool! And apparently, the carnival united the whole Cape Creole community for that solitary day because, um. It says the carnival's history is tainted, stemming from colonial times when slaves were only permitted one day off a year, which was January 2nd. But the carnival united the Creole community on that day.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. So when slavery was abolished in 1834, the carnival continued, although during the apartheid regime, it was called the Coon Carnival. Oof, apparently after the white American minstrels who painted their faces like raccoons. Um, okay, so there's definitely some seedy history related to it, um, but this is still going on today. It looks like a great celebration that um, is attended by people of all colors and nationalities in uh, South Africa today. Um and I don't know anybody who's been there. I had never even heard of this before, but it sure sounded like a lot of fun. To, it does. You know, follow, the, follow the holidays.
0: Cool. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. since I re-teased it, okay, so the only reason why in our introduction I put in two is because I knew because I wrote them. I wasn't sure what you're going to talk about. So mm-hmm. so now I'm, I'm committed, right? So, so I'm gonna talk about the Harbin Ice Festival. Now, everyone knows you, you've seen pictures on travel vlogs and types of things like that. And there's two famous um ice festivals hotel kind of things. One is in um it's called the Ice Hotel in Just Sweden. And you know what I'm talking about. It's like this hotel. They make it out of ice. They they put lights on them. They have bars. They have restaurants. And it looks just amazing. But they make a bunch of hotels. And I think they even have these beds that are made out of ice, from what I've seen. And they just throw bearskin rugs on top of it. And you sleep on, like, ice beds.
1: It can't be warm. I don't care how many furs you put on it. That has to be miserable. It's still a block of ice.
0: Yeah. That's, I agree with that. But I have people do it so um the other one is uh i've is quebec city canada they have one as well it's a hotel de Glace. i don't know g l a c e i is that french i'm assuming ice oui. i don't know
1: ice. yep exactly. okay
0: how, how do you pronounce it
1: glass hmm?
0: Gloss. i got it right oh my god okay <clears throat> um, this hotel is um, North America's only ice hotel, it has 44 rooms decorated with its own unique ice sculptures and designs. But the Harbin Ice Festival, known as the um, Harbin International Ice and Snow Sculpture Festival, is an annual event that takes place in the city of Harbin in northeastern China. So, what's really interesting is if you look online, you, there's actually whole websites dedicated to one, two, three-day tours of spending several days in Harbin, uh, you know, Harbin and at this ice festival. And if you take a look at the pictures, it's amazing. It's like they've made a small city. Um just completely made out of ice. It's known for its elaborate ice sculptures and buildings, and they're all made out of blocks of ice um, from the nearby river. It starts on January 5th. Now this is my January story, January 5th. And actually it does not end on until February 5th. So by the time this podcast goes up, I think it's going to be last week. So (laughs) yeah. Um, it attracts thousands of visitors each year. They, uh, they have, t- the sculptures are made by teams of ice sculptors from around the world who use chainsaws. If you've ever seen this, it's like really scary seeing chainsaws being used on yeah. on ice. And um, and they, they're lit up at night like the other ice sculptures. So like they'll put like a red light. So it's this glowing kind of glass-like sculpture. And it's absolutely beautiful. They also have other events like ice skating, ice sliding, ice lantern exhibitions. And there's also lots of performances. Um, You can, of course, watch uh, ice carving competitions, um, watch people actually make the sculptures. So they're building the city as you're there, if you get there early. And also they have a something called Harbin Ice and Snow World, which is an amusement park made of completely ice and snow they have slides ice castles and other theme park kind of attractions and then they also have a ice carved train which I don't quite understand how wow. that works yeah it runs through the park so it's also um, whenever you see you go online to check out the websites that promote this or have uh, tours usually they'll have a tour because it's on the edge of China and Russia. So you can do like a several day tour, several days in Harbin and a couple days in Russia as well. So that's it. If you want to see an ice festival and you don't want to go to Sweden or Quebec, <laughs> this apparently is the place to go. And it's everything I've seen of It's just huge. So it looks really cool.
1: Have you been before?
0: No, <clears throat> I, you know, I've decided that I, I, I don't like cold anymore in my older age. <laughs>
1: Oh, I know what it's like. It's funny because it's been so cold in California this winter. So cold. I swear this is the coldest winter I remember. My husband's car was iced over um, recently in the morning. Um, and it's so miserable. And I'm like, gosh, I I used to love living in the colds. And I feel like I still would. Why is this so miserable? And the conclusion that I came to was that California just doesn't know how to handle the cold. So. Our gas bills went up, so we can't really Oh my
0: god! Need yeah,
1: need to heat our homes. Um, we just don't know how to make it work. Whereas when I was living in New York, they knew how to do it. So yes, like you're walking and it's cold, but any building you go in, you're immediately warmed up. And uh, yeah. you only used your jacket to walk, you know, from the subway to your house or whatever. So I'm convinced climates who know how to do it, it would be better. But um, the cold we've been experiencing has been very trying this year
0: (laughs) 20 years ago so i lived in ohio i lived west of cleveland lived in columbus and i lived in cincinnati but 20 years ago i had an opportunity to open up a franchise in toronto and i i've gone to toronto tons of times but only in spring summer and fall but this time i went right after christmas or something like that and um, we were meeting a potential partner, and we went to Toronto, my wife and I, and we were just freezing.
1: Oh, uh, yes.
0: And the partner wasn't quite the right partner, so we were just like, okay, we're not going to do this.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: um, my wife and I to this day go, oh, my God, thank God that person didn't work out because we might be living in Toronto during the winters. <laughs> and it's so We were just we're just like oh and we thought we were used to cold we only had left the midwest for at that point maybe three years and our our blood had already thinned to california oh yeah it happens
1: fast (laughs) it It really happens
0: fast yeah Uh,
1: yes all right um well taking us into february um which I hope will warm up in California, but it is still like the dead of winter. But that's neither here nor there.
0: When she says dead of um, winter, you gotta re- i gotta tell you—it's like it's 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 sixty, probably five out right now.
1: Okay, but it's been like. Like, mid-50s lately, which is very important.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, it's 67. Oh, people are crying for you, Kristen. It's
1: 68. In my <laughs> oh, whatever. Okay. I know what cold is. Okay. I used to live on the East Coast. But again, your blood thins very fast. Yep. All right. Um, this is one that would take you a while to get to. This is a very... You probably wouldn't just stumble across this... Um, But it is quite the bucket list destination. There is a big annual two-week-long festival held in the beginning of February on Easter Island. And if you're not aware, um, Easter Island uh, politically is part of Chile. But it is still, I think, about a six-hour flight from Chile. If I'm yeah, it's listening. almost
0: like flying to Hawaii from you know, like from the West from like Coast California. or something like that. Right. Yeah.
1: Yes. <coughs> um, so first of all, you have to probably be down in South America in the first place, and then you've got to fly six hours to Easter Island, which obviously it's very renowned for the. The statues and the culture there. But if you are wanting to go, if you find yourself there in the beginning of February, there's a huge festival. It's called the Tapati Rapa Nui Festival. Um, and this is in which this festival, two families compete in cultural competitions all over the island. So with music, sculptures, sports, body painting, fishing, and much more. Each of the two families have a representative, a queen candidate. The candidates have to partake in most of the competitions, um, which sometimes can be several on the same day, and the candidates and their fellow family representatives gain points for winning competitions, and the family that at the end of the festival has had most the most points will have its candidate crowned as queen. So it actually started out as a small local event in 1975, um, by and for the people. The island didn't have too much tourism at the time. So the annual tradition um, that they created started to grow in popularity among the local people, um, but still remained kind of unknown to the outside world. So In about the year 2000, apparently tourism exploded and continued to grow. Um, And it's given this Tapati Festival a a big boost. So even the festival has grown itself enormously as they continue to see more tourism and and economy come to their island. Um, So tourists are actually allowed to participate in two of these competitions on the island.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's the real fun. Um, (laughs) Yeah. The dancing on the stage, um, it says a month of practice is required, which means you would have to be present in the beginning of January. Uh, But costumes will be made and given to you by the family that you choose to support. And dances are performed on two occasions, and they usually have about 150 to 200 people participating. So talk about a bucket list experience. You would be learning traditional dances and dressed. And then there's body paint adorned on you as well to participate in this competition to support a Rapa Nui family, which I think is super cool. Although I don't know if I have the time off work to go there from January to February maybe when I retire. And the second competition that tourists are allowed to participate in is um, the parade. So at the end of the festival, families gain points for the quantity of participators, as well as for the artistic creations that they present for the um, parade. Body paint and costumes will be offered to you by the family that you choose to support at the common place of gathering and preparation of that family. So I guess it sounds like you could show up and do the parade. You wouldn't need to um, be there for a full month to prep to walk in the parade. Um, But that is a really cool, um, unique cultural festival. It's the beginning of February. It's two weeks long. Um, Again, it's called Tapati Rapanui in Easter Island, Chile, Um, which means you also have to travel that far (laughs) to get there.
0: Okay, okay, I got some random trivia. I was looking at this oh, up while you yeah. were talking. So <clears throat> what's the population of Easter Island?
1: Oh.
0: Guess. Just guess.
1: 3,000.
0: It More than that. Oh, okay. It's under 8,000 people.
1: Okay. Wow. Okay.
0: And the second piece of uh, trivia is that apparently you only can fly to Easter, direct flights from to Easter Island are only available from Chile. And Santiago is what I understand. It's and it's about five and a half hours. Okay, yeah. So if you want to go there, you can't like fr- fly from LA Exeter. there. You have to fly to South America, to Chile, and then fly. So it's like twenty two hours if you want to get there from like Los Angeles or something. Right,
1: like that. and that's surprising to me because <clears throat> it kind of means like even if you were in. Peru or Ecuador, or Argentina, you can't just fly there. You've got to go to Santiago first.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah. Interesting. So
1: it, it is um, It is a bit of a trek, for sure.
0: Could you imagine if you only could get to Hawaii, you had to come to Los Angeles? You had to fly to Los Angeles, then you had to fly to Hawaii. Like yeah, that
1: would suck, but it would mean a lot for the airline.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, also Los Angeles economy.
1: <laughs> right. But yeah, that would be... Imagine how... Well... I think more people are probably going to Hawaii than Easter Island, but, like, the congestion that you would get if people had to go through L.A. to Hawaii. Woof. Yep. 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 Anyways, there you go. It's okay. so probably happening right now, that festival. As we're talking, people <clears throat> are dancing and fishing and everything else involved.
0: <laughs> Li- find a live stream somewhere.
1: Oh, wouldn't that be cool? What if- it would be
0: wonderful, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh mine for february is the what they call the Bikaner camel festival so as you can imagine what do you think they're going to feature it's actually camels the Bikaner F- camel festival is an annual event held in the city of Bikaner and in the indian state of rajasthan it's a celebration um it's celebration of the ship of the desert, the camel. I thought that was really kind of funny when I saw that. And is held in honor of the animal's importance of the people to the region. Now, I was thinking when I first saw this. First of all, go check out some pictures of these camels. They put these camels... They, they create these special blankets for them. Or they have these the gowns they put on these um camels and oh, their bright colors. Yeah. yeah, red, yellows, and greens Whoa. and stuff like that. And then I
1: right now the way they drape them and it's like whole garlands of different palms draped everywhere.
0: Right? Yeah. Right. Wow, they're that's really cool. Gorgeous, gorgeous. But I've also saw some that actually have um shaved into the camel's fur beautiful patterns um like of flowers and um of people and stuff like that and that looks really cool too
1: wow
0: so whenever i see these kind of festivals first of all it's like camel cool india cool and it's like they must have some fascinating history behind this camel festival and the answer is quite far from that um It started in 1980s when the Department of Tourism decided they needed to promote something (laughs) (laughs) and get people to come to the area.
1: It works. It works.
0: And strangely enough, I have no problem with that. You know? Yeah. I mean, um, there was one. I forget who. I think it was Lewis Block talking about. It's like, what can we do to help our economy in this area? It's like, build something build anything just make it really huge and have people come so so it was this festival was born from this effort and it's become one of the most popular and well-attended festivals in the area so it's a celebration of the cultural heritage and a way of life of the people um it takes place on february 7th so once again as this podcast goes up you better get your um, plane ticket ready mm-hmm. it's it's like tomorrow it's a celebration of the ship of the desert as i mentioned and it has lots of camel related activities they have camel races camel dances uh, apparently they have a camel beauty contest how shallow
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if it does a trick too it'll you know you're judging it on more than
0: that oh yeah there is just like um <sighs> I like uh, they actually have competition. I like, um, I like helping out the children of India. I don't know. Um,
1: Spitting contest.
0: Spitting contest. There you go. <laughs> um, they have a parade, musical and dance performances. The assumption is by people, not the camels. And um, of course, all the decorations and such um, that they parade the camels around with. Um,
1: well, I no. hope this doesn't come off as as ignorant, but it's funny to me that they chose the camel because I often think of it as more of a Middle Eastern um, creature. But, but when I was in India, I definitely saw camels, but I saw more like elephants and cows and monkeys. So um, I think it's definitely more prominent there than I realized.
0: The one thing I noticed when I was looking at all the pictures, I don't know if you know this but there's two types of camels there's There's one huh there's three there's three okay the only ones i know is like there's one hump camels and two hump camels and these are one hump camels
1: so that's the funny thing was i was googling it to see because that's what i remembered was the one hump and the two hump um but the one hump is called a dromedary arabian camel and then there's two Bactrian camels, um, which both have two humps, and there's like a Bactrian and then a wild Bactrian, and apparently these are the the three species that are currently extant.
0: Oh, okay. So, so, then, so go. <laughs>
1: it, yeah, yeah. But yes, the one humped dromedary camel is the one that it was domesticated in the Middle East and Sahara Desert and South Asia. So that's what you would find in India.
0: So. I have to apologize because I'm looking at my notes and when I said there's a dance comp, uh, dance competition and performances, it's actually the camels are trained.
1: The camels. Oh <laughs> you know, no, camels, I don't know how
0: I feel about that. <laughs> yeah. They, they'll do dance moves and they're judged on their skill and grace. Oh my God. I don't know how I forgot about that when I wrote the notes. Um, But also they have other things other than the camels, food, crafts, festival, um, they have history lessons on the culture, economy of camels. Um, and, you know, so it, it just shows it, it's not just about the camels. It's about the region and the economy yeah. and the people as well. So give that one a try. I think it's now on one of my short lists after I get through a few other things. But it's sure. now on my short list.
1: I would love to see that in person. These look beautiful. And I actually have some... <laughs> At least one, maybe disturbing camel fact. Oh, no. <laughs> well, funny story. So, um, we are very nearby, which people probably don't know about, is the Santa Ana Zoo here in Orange County. And it's quite small and it has the oddest assortment of animals. So, it has a lot of farm animals, it has a lot of monkeys and birds. Um, And it has freaking camels. It has two camels there. And that was where I learned, you know, it has in front of their, like, habitat, you know, there's facts about them and stuff. So, first of all, prehistorically, camels originated from North America, which is already crazy. Um, What? Yeah. The disturbing camel fact to me is that camel's milk is actually the closest milk to human's milk.
0: Interesting.
1: Yes, it's not goats or cows; it's camel's milk, and so apparently that could be like the more um, healthy option for us.
0: But the question is, who wants to milk a camel?
1: Yeah, I know they're they might have to Spit on you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, oh boy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot more to them than than you thought.
0: <laughs> yep. 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 And 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 is it camels that spit or llamas?
1: I think both.
0: I didn't know that.
1: Okay. So I, yeah. Llamas spit or is it alpacas? No, I think it's the llamas that spit, but camels definitely do too. Okay. Yeah.
0: Apparently I've ridden a camel. Oh, have you years ago in China, but I actually don't have a recollection, but someone says they have a picture of me on a camel and I've never been able to get it.
1: I always wonder, it makes sense where you would sit on the two humped camel, but where do you sit on the one humped camel? <laughs>
0: I don't know.
1: (laughs) You got to find that picture and see if it was a one hump or two hump camel. I I
0: don't know. Yeah. Is it like a a horse with a saddle where you you got the thing on front where you tie the lasso to? Or is it you sit with the hump behind you? I don't know. Or on top of the hump for that matter. (laughs) I don't don't know.
1: know. I don't know. But um, super fun. So that's going on tomorrow if you can make it to India. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> anything else any other honorable mentions?
0: Um actually I put down a, I created a whole list. Let me see if there's anything worth um
1: otherwise I had
0: Okay, okay. I'm going to just really really quick because I looked this up and I thought it was really amazing. And um the there's something called a law Temborada. It's a festival that takes place in uh, the Spanish city of San Sebastian in the Basque Country, and it's a um, it's a it's a festival so with drums, and so everyone they have drum competitions, and it's very strange. They have a bunch of ladies going out um, in costume, but they they drum on upside down wooden pails and then also you'll see a bunch of people dressed like cooks running around and playing upside down pails and then you'll see other people dressed up and they come out in swarms you know they're on teams okay and then people who dressed in like almost like french french napoleon wear drumming as well and it's it's a huge festival and is celebrated every year in January, and it's like, what 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 why what's up with the drums? And apparently during the peninsula war, Napoleon's troops took over San Sebastian, and the as the apparently something about they were always running around with drums and the the troops, and when the French troops were marching around the city all the locals start making fun of them as lift, they turn over their pails and start drumming like they were French, (laughs) like the French soldiers. It, It was actually in, in, like making fun of them and so it's become this huge thing and that's why they're dressed up like locals like the women or the bakers or the cooks and such like that and that's why they have this drumming thing so look it up it's start it's it began on january 20th and ends on the 21st it's 24 hours but everything i saw about it it looks absolutely fun and they have children drumming and stuff like that and i just thought that was the funniest one that's cute so there yeah. you go.
1: All right. Perfect. Well, thank you for tuning in to our this month, next month in the world. We hope you guys had as much fun as we did. What do you think about camel's milk? Us on our <laughs> social media channels, where you can find photos of our adventures from around the world, interesting articles, and more. Also, if you're newer to our podcast, check out some of our older destination ones on Washington, D.C., Portugal, Barcelona, and even Austin, Texas, just to name a few.
0: Midas in Paris is the University of California, Irvine, Division of Continuing Education Production. If you need a career boost looking to increase your workplace knowledge or seeking a new profession, check him out at ce.uci.edu for their professional courses. And thank you again for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.
1: Bye, guys. Bye.